What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Euro Picks and Bets. I am Brian DeCordy, also known as Axis, uh, filling in for Skyler as he's enjoying a little bit of vacation. And I am joined by Tom Jacobs to talk some Scottish Open. What's going on, Tom? Yeah, well, good, Brian. Nice to have you on. I uh, I was going to say that actually Skyler has been given a gig uh, caddying for Guido Migliazzi, but he's actually really just on vacation. I'd be and super we do jealous. We do. We do not want to panic viewers that he has gone for a long time. But I also want guys to realise that, Brian, you know, you talk with Sky an awful lot about the European Tour in your own podcast and share a lot of data with him as well. So very able to step in and uh, and pick up the show. Yeah, it should be a really fun week. Uh, this is one of the best stretches of the European Tour, obviously, uh, with the Open coming up next week, coming off of the Irish Open. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I love this event. Uh, I know, you know, it's played at the Renaissance Club, North Berwick, Scotland. I know that it's not necessarily a pure linksy course to a lot of people by the definition of, uh, but I still love the look of it. Uh, I love, you see it on TV. I don't know. It's just great viewing in the morning uh, come stateside. Yeah, I think the thing is, you've always got these traditionalists that hasten to call links links, right? And if it's anything they can say is not a links about it, they won't. Um, but really and truly, it's a good test. Maybe not the best preparation for the Open Championship in terms of cruise Scottish Open we've seen, but I like it being where it is on the schedule. It's certainly nearest to the test we're going to see next week, opposed to the Irish Open we saw last week on the Parkland test. Um, and we've already seen it in two editions that the, the weather really does play a difference. You know, we saw 19 under win it, uh, or was it 20 under win it back in the back in the first in the renewal, and it was nearer to 10 under last year. So you know, definitely can be conditions that play uh, play a role this week. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like you said, it, it was vastly different. So I'm curious. And we have, I don't know, one of the this is one of the better Euro fields that I can ever remember over here. I mean, there are so many guys from the top 60 that typically play, you know, spend a lot of time on, on uh, the PGA Tour side. So I'm looking forward to that. They're coming over here. Uh, it's par 71 course, roughly 7,300 yards, uh, 7,293 on the, the site. Uh, par 71, however, it still does have the four par fives and it has five par threes, which is um, a little different. Uh, you know, I tried to go through the scoring, but like you said, with the two years they played at this course, the weather was kind of different on, yeah. on both. That Thursday of last year was was wild. So I don't know if there's a ton to really take from looking at some of the statistics from the last two years. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I was part of sort of message earlier and said I couldn't really nail down one one statistic that really suits me. And I think you just kind of go back to hoping that strokes going to approach serves you well. And, you know, generally speaking, the guys that hit the ball well, you can you can rely on. I mean, if you look back at, at last year, Fleetwood and Ryan never really uh, threatened at the top of the strokes going to approach market. And both of them were kind of quite tidy around the greens. But um, interesting thing was they both played pretty poorly in terms of strokes going putting. But... When you look at three putt avoidance, they were both right up there. And I think the, the top nine uh, on the leaderboard all ranked between sixth and ninth in, in three putt avoidance as well. So I think although you don't have to gain a ton of strokes with the putt, which will help a lot of the ball strikers we're going to talk about, um, I think you know it's important to avoid those three putts here. So like you say, I think it's really, really hard to get a grasp of exactly what it is that we need to do here. But I think generally speaking, if the calm conditions come in as we expect, then strokes can approach the way we're going to be looking. Right. Uh, yeah. When in doubt, I kind of just lean on the obvious stuff of the ball striking. And, uh, and I have a model where I more or less just try to 
pick out uh, a golfer's underlying skill or talent, I'll say, uh, kind of like a current performance rating. So I'll probably just rely uh, heavy on that. Plus, you know, when you see these these deeper fields, uh, guys come over who are normally on the PGA Tour, you typically see a lot of them them float towards the top. And that's kind of kind of sticking with that a little bit with my card anyway this week. I don't want to get too cute, as tempting as it will be. And obviously, we'll talk about some of those guys who uh, probably won't be able to hold off on all of them. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, but you, you, I mentioned the field, you look at the top of the board here and you have uh, John Rahm coming in at the top uh, at seven to one, followed by Xander 14, Colin Morikawa 16, Rory 18. And those are the guys I see uh, below 20 on three, six, five, you know, and, and Justin Thomas rounding out 20, which just seems a little wild. We were talking about that just before yeah. we got on air here. So um, does anybody tempt you in this or, or does anything stand out to you from these top, the favorites here this week? I mean, I think the only person I'd really draw a line through is Rory. I think that's just very much what I do quite <laughs> often, which doesn't, you know, it isn't something I should do for someone that's so highly talented, but I'm normally quite bullish on that. Justin Thomas seems a big prize at 20 to one in a non-major um he's had his troubles hasn't he uh off and on and off the season um but you know that resounding victory at the players championship and you know he, i think he was ninth here on his debut so scottish open i think you know we know he can play on well an open championship hasn't quite contended there but I, I think you know as we've just said the best players will come to the fore here um especially the karma conditions there they should put some friendly pins in before the weekend try and keep some of these guys in the field uh, over the weekend there. So Justin Thomas for me was the most tempting, but uh, I think we both want to talk about the next guy on the board. Yeah. So that'll be uh, Terrell Hatton at 22 to one. And the, the first thing that stands out, obviously, when I think of, of Hatton is his play over here in this general area, uh, the Lynx golf uh, specifically up here at some of these events uh, just seems to show up and um you know, he's got a victory in the area. He has top 10s, top 50. Like, he, he should be in the mix, I believe. You know, last time we saw him, I believe, U.S. Open, missing the cut. Uh, he did finish second at the Palmetto Championship. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I bet Hatton a lot. I'm typically ahead of the market on him, uh, for better or worse. That doesn't always equate to, to victories. Uh, but, you know, he's a pretty consistent performer, uh, especially in the ball striking, obviously, you know, beat it to death, but he has touch around the green as well. Um, when you get to these, when you get over uh, in this part of the world, the, the fairways and around the green areas are quite rolling, hilly, slopey. Um, I like to look at that, that touch. We know he can putt when he needs to. I, I made him slightly lower than 22 to one. So I was happy to uh, grab that. Yeah. I mean, look, he, he's been absolutely outstanding in Scotland. You know, he's got, uh, he had two wins at the Alfred Dunhill links. He should have had a third, um, but kind of threw it away, much to, uh, to my uh, pleasure that week. But, um, you know, he has, he's got, you know, a previous second place finish in this event back on another course. He was 14th here um, on his debut. So it it really does just depend on, on what Hatton turns up, right? You know, we, we know now that not only is he an extremely talented player and winner on the European Tour, but he's now taken that over to the PGA Tour. And he's kind of up and down in major championships at the moment. And I think that's where his focus really is. And I think he'll really fancy the Open Championship next week at Royal St. George's. So this is perfect preparation for him. And and the only hesitation I had on going in with him picking him was I kind of like the look at Tommy Fleetwood as well. And the 
the trouble I've got with Fleetwood at the moment is the it really has been a struggle for him in, in terms of off the tee and, and approach. His long game that served him so well for for it feels like years has has really kind of deserted him over the last pretty much since the COVID started. He's had he's had flashes, but it's not been long term form. And I think he is one of the guys I think we've had here. We've had people like Adam Scott. We've had really high profile players really struggle to get out of this sort of funk that the, the COVID has caused. The the reason I was kind of really between the two is is he's kind of 31 and 33 to one you look at his last four finishes in scotland he's got a second a fifth a second and then a 12th at the british open so you know he really just comes to the fore he was he lost in that playoff to aaron right here last year again should have won it so you know i wonder what price it would have been if he was coming in as, as the reigning champion despite the, the loss of form so i think i will take tommy fleetwood and i think i will roll with him just because of those extra sort of 10 points on him but it's uh you know it's, it's a tough decision between two for me yeah that that stings still last year from tommy um yeah that uh he's somebody too i i bet a lot um i love him even just a fan in general but like you said the man something's just not right the irons aren't i don't want to say they're trash i mean but they're not yeah they're not what he road to the top of the world rankings uh, yeah. over the last few years here. So hopefully he can maybe, you know, maybe it'll be a little more comfortable back home with everything going on still, um, you know, around the world, COVID, you know, hit family, whatnot, who knows what's going on. You know, it's just another layer we are trying to guess here. So, and that's the thing, isn't it? Is you can't predict that you can't second guess the, the men's approach. The one thing I did quite like is that this is something that he's kept off his schedule um, prior to the Open Championship week for the last sort of three or four years. Um, and he's added it back in. I don't know if it's because there's so many points up for grab because of the strength of the field. Um, but, you know, he had that, he had uh, round three last week. He gained over two strokes uh, in approach. So there is kind of hope for him in there. He was 29th in strokes gain approach. Like you say, it's it's not, you're, you're so used to seeing somebody fleet within the top five, top 10 of Peter Green and approach all the time. And that really is what powered him. You know, we know he's not a great passer. But when he steps off the tee, you, you tend to think it's going to go long and straight. And that hasn't been the case. So it is pretty much a um, location play. I mean, if, if it was anywhere else, I kind of would have left him alone. There was no interest in him last week at such a short price. Um, I'm just going to see if he can do it in Scotland. Because he's not a guy I normally bet. He, I normally think he's probably too short in the market. I like to oppose him, but I'm going to give him a go this time. Totally agree with you. Uh, it is very tempting for me, but I did jump on the next guy in line, which would be Scotty Scheffler, uh, 33 to one. Now, obviously the concern is, I don't know if, if Scheffler's ever seen a bit of true links golf in his life. I don't know if he's ever left the United States for all I know. I, I, I could have maybe searched that, but um, I, I'm just going to assume that talent travels here and he has been, I mean, he's, he, we already knew he was talented, uh, but of late, uh, he's been playing very well, rates out very well for me in recent form. Uh, I mean, off the tee and approach, I normally don't really feel like I have to worry about him. He's been very, very consistent there. Um, like he, he's shown that he has touch around the green. Uh, you mentioned perhaps the windy Texas, who knows? I don't know. I could play into some of the comfortability. Maybe he won't feel that foreign. Like you said, it's not a pure links course. So I don't know. I'm, I'm banking on that number just being a little too big for me for the, the talent and form I see in, in Scheffler. Yeah. I think, you know, it's exactly what I said to you is that you, we really don't know. We've seen uh, Jordan Spieth, who grew up 
playing golf with just absolutely safe so open conditions obviously one there in Burtdale played well in these sort of events uh we know we've seen Matt Kuchar come over and play very well you know these are not guys that are in terms of record and things like that, but we, we expect Sheffield to be able to catch out with him and contend in major championships in the future. And if you do believe in that, then like you say, the price is too big. I mean, there's another guy there, Will Zalatoris, behind him. That you know, they all kind of grew up together, playing together. I don't think the high winds that you get in Texas are quite the, the winds that you get in the Scottish Open, but I don't think we're going to get them this week either. So if right. it's point and shoot and we're, there's flags to take on, then then why not take one of the best players in the world at the moment? And it would be. I don't know if it'd be ironic, but it'd be kind of interesting to see him get a European Tour victory before he gets the PJ Tour victory, and maybe that right. just kind of boosts him on, doesn't it? Yeah, that'd be uh, similar to Taurus struggling to get into uh, FedEx Cup playoffs. Maybe you can snag a win and just become uh, a member on the Euro Tour instead, right? <laughs> yeah, you can just completely dominate over here. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Like you said, there. I I just think that there's a lot to like, and I know you like some. I mean, we just peppered this section of the board, man. Like okay. I know you like the next guy in line. Uh, that'd be Mr. Burn Weisberger. Yeah, I mean, look, he won here in 2019. Um, I'm expecting the, the test to be a lot similar to that than it was last year. Hopefully, that is the case. If it's not, then I wouldn't be quite so interested. I'm not sure if toughing it out is potentially his thing. Um, but he's also a winner of the Irish Open. He's lost there in a playoff. He's also lost in a playoff at Johnny Walker Championship at Glen Eagles. So he's really got some really good bank of form. Although he's never played quite well in an Open Championship, he tends to play okay in this and these types of tests. Um, first and third in two of his last four starts in tee to green. Th uh, second, third and 14th in approach. He's just, he's hitting the ball incredibly well. He's got that Friday Cup place to play for. Um, you know, everyone wants to, it's very cliche to say everyone wants to get a good week ahead of the Open Championship, because of course they do. Um, they can do that in the John Deere Classic if they really want to. But it's, I really do think it's, you know, he's already proven he's won here once. Um, he's played well in Scotland in the past, played well in Ireland. So in terms of British form, he's, uh, he's, he's really, really good. And I, and I really give him a chance again at 40 to 1. He was very tempting. Uh, you look at that iron game, and yeah, like, the last four, his last four tournaments, so dating back to the Maiden Himmerlin, I mean, geez, <laughs> it it was really hard to ignore. Like I said, I just preferred Scheffler and Hatton in this area, and I, I made his number pretty close to what the market has. Uh, but good news for you, Burn, when he's on fire, seems to be a real thorn in my side. I don't <laughs> often seem... I, I zig and zag when I'm on or off or fading against him in matchups. So it could be a good week for everybody else. To, I just, I just think on, that on. for him is that, you know, and I say this to Sky all the time when we're on here is that he's a guy that next time he plays, the next field he plays in the European tour, he's going to be 12 to one, 14 to one, whatever. Yeah. I'd like to take a chance in a 40 to one because I know he can mix it with these guys. I know that despite the fact that, you know, you're expecting a Justin Thomas, uh, Tyrrell Hatton, uh, you know, Xander Schopenhauer, John Rahn to take up a large part of the, of the leaderboard. But Petersburger can play in those conditions. He's not afraid to win. We know how many times he's won on the European tour. We know with those playoff losses, he's lost three times in playoffs. So he could conceivably be, you know, nearly 10 wins on the European tour. It's, it's pretty impressive. So, um, and like you say, uh, he's, you know, he's never going to have a better chance, I don't think, to get that Ryder Cup team. Um, I don't, you know, I still think it's going to be tough for him to make. There's so many good players there. But, you know, well, if he does it here, it's going to be hard to deny. Yeah, it's going to be really hard for him to make that team when uh, Guido comes and steals <laughs> that spot from him. So I'll use that to segue in. I know Sky is not here. However, 
my fandom is probably is just the same. I mean, I, I love this kid's um, and now he's on a, a streak of form that we have not seen from him really uh, dating back to his first two victories. He had a little, a little tease there. And though, all, although he has not won over this recent stretch with the, the seconds, the fourth place, the U S open and uh, flirted with the top 10 in at the travelers. Uh, I'm curious to see what he does this week. Uh, again, it's another deep field. I just like him being in these fields. I like to see, uh, his statistics and how he's stacking up against his deeper field since he's been such an up and down player throughout his career. I mean, 2020 was just, was just horrible for him. Uh, I don't know what happened. Maybe he was not feeling the, the schedule, the travel. I mean, you know, he makes his home in Dubai now, it seems with, uh, Peritore. So I, I did jump back on him though, this week, I see it's at 55 to one. I think you can maybe hunt for some sixties out there, but I'm just going to ride the wave. Uh, I'm going to ride the irons and, uh, He's not horrible around the green. He is typically not great on there, but even that has shaped up a little bit, it seems. Uh, recent form putting is not something I would normally tout too much, though. Uh, Long term, <laughs> it's normally pretty ugly. So uh, that said, I couldn't, I could not bet him here, especially filling in for Sky. So look, this, you know, we spoke about it on, on Lucas Herbert, obviously won last week. How highly do you rank? PJ Tour form versus, you know, regular European Tour events, you know, he had those two second place finishes, should have won the British Masters, I know everyone loves yeah. Rick Land and everything that right. happened there, but that was his tournament to lose, you know, um, even even when it got to the playoff, which he maybe shouldn't have done, that eight iron, you know, into the green should have been a whole lot better as well, so yeah. he, you know, he had the chance to win there, um, then he goes and finishes second at the Himland, fourth at the US Open, which is just an incredible result, I mean, we, we've been talking about every week on here and even we probably didn't think he could actually go and finish fourth in, in that event. No. And then tied 13th for the Travellers. We've just seen Lucas Herbert um, take his form from that event over into a victory over here. And again, like you say, it's a case of seeing what he can do now because we've seen that he's finished fourth in the US Open. Well, that's all the guys that are in this field were in that field. So there's no reason he can't do it. It's whether he can get over the line because you're starting to get to a price with Migliotti where you do need the victory um, yes. as opposed to place value. And, but again, I could just uh, touched upon with, um, you know, the, the former picks is that he's not going to be 55 to one in the next field. He plays in the European tour. He's going to be 16 and 18 to one. And so grab it while you can give it a go. Hope you finally get over the line. Um, and again, let's just mention that plan with the way into him there is Lucas Herbert. And I, I was quite surprised at the price, I think, because I know, a lot of people, it, golf's a funny sport, right? It's, it seems to be the one that if you win, everyone seems to think you can't do it again the next week. Yeah. Um, I think in in the in the COVID science, I think it's been a lot easier to string results together. I don't know if that's the case, but I think just going from you know the fans that you would have on a regular week to when you've just won, that can sometimes play on. There's a lot more media contributions. I, I don't know. It, there, there's something to it, I think, but. He was just, he was really, really good down the stretch after a, a real wobble in the first sort of front nine. He was spraying the ball everywhere, uh, but he really settled down, held off the competition. Um, so he's won the Irish Open last week, seventh previous year at Dunhill Links, fourth here last year. Uh, and that's despite a third round 79 that dropped him into uh, into 22nd. So it's, it's pretty impressive to get himself back up into fourth. Um, even when he was 62nd on debut, he was 20th after 36 holes, opened with 67, 66. So I really do think he's going to like this test. Loves the UK and Ireland as well. Tied third finish at British Masters, further evidence of that. 
Um, you know, all of his, I think a quarter of his finishes in the top 20 uh, OWGR finishes have been in the UK and Ireland. So he really just loves playing around here. And he backs up, he can string form together. I mean, I just made some notes here and it's just, it's, it's crazy that he can, he finished fourth here after finishing seventh for the Irish Open. Backs up his Dubai win with finishes of 27th, 12th, 58th, second. Back at the British Masters in 2018, he went from uh, 28th, second, seventh, third. Um, you know, he's following on from Dunhill to the British. So, it, you know, he does string it together and just, he just seems to feel at home. Um, you know, I think Australia, you can see a lot of, you know, sort of conditions like this. Again, I think it's going to be calmer. Um, so, yeah, I think 50 to 1 on a guy that's just won. Again, I know it's a much deeper field, but he's gone up in price after a victory, and I'm quite happy to uh, give him a chance. Yeah, I'm with you. I feel like, um, yeah, backing a guy off a win, it, it, it's more of a mental hurdle because I'll run the numbers, <laughs> and if the numbers tell me to bet him, I'll bet him. Uh, and, yeah. and coming in, I expect him to be a lot lower too. I made him slightly lower. Uh, I wasn't on last week, so I, I assumed I would not be on this week, although you brought up great points of why it is um, potentially intriguing. However, I was sucked into another guy in this range, um, Ian Poulter. Also, you can find shopping around from 55, uh, 55 to 60 in that. And this one this is probably the first guy in my card who truly, I don't know, scares the right word, but it, it, it's, <laughs> it's reaching. Um, you're, you're, I'm betting on a skill set that is the more introduces more variance on the short game with the putting and the around the green. Um, he's been exceptional there uh, most of this year, uh, a lot of his career. The irons are a slight worry, although they're not atrocious. They're just plain average, slightly below. Uh, he really hasn't had a ton of great finishes this year. Carl Schwab was a, a T3. You know, the rest are very middling 20ths, 30ths, you know, and so to take this number, I, I did make him slightly lower. Again, I think that's just the, the the top end of this field is outstanding. The bottom end is a little weaker, obviously, than a typical PGA field, which, you know, he's, he's playing a lot. So that gives him a little boost in the simulations. I think there's less people he has to contend with, although the top is just as heavier, heavier than a lot of PGA that we see of recent. So this I don't know. It's a little bit more of a reach for me um, on a guy who has had obviously middling success in these type of events. However, um, I'm going to trust the number. He hasn't been bad. It's just, yeah, I'm leaning a lot on him. Hopefully just, just staying out of trouble, just stay out of trouble with the ball striking. And I think he can get in the mix. Yeah. I mean, for me with, with Polter, I, I kind of think that he would have benefited from it being similar to last year's conditions as opposed to yes. this. Um, you know, and, and that can still happen, right? I mean, I'm trying to predict weather that happens in Scotland on, on a Lynx course, you know, five days out. It can be completely wrong and it could blow my um, selections out the window and then you'd be very, very comfortable with the pole to pick. Um, you know, 14th and 6th on this golf course. He's got two other top 10s in this event, uh, you know, in recent times. Um, and yeah, I, I think there's plenty to like. Like we say, I think the, it, it really does... You know, you really do have to put the, the form on the PGA Tour into context versus European Tour. If Ian Poulter was full-time on European Tour, he would ha he'd have more victories. I know it's a skill oh, yes. set that that does, um, you know, it does revolve around the short game. But also, when he's on, his, his irons are brilliant. He's a, he's a really good ball striker, and, and it's underrated. Um, maybe not the best off the tee because he's not the longest, and that, that part of his game suffers. And that's why he does have to 
to be so sharp with that short game. And everyone just thinks of Ian Poulter at the Ryder Cup and getting up and down in the biggest moments and beating his chest. But there is there's more to him than that. And his, his, his irons are really, really good to watch. And he's played really well in Open Championships, played really well in majors in general. So I think Ian Poulter is a player that gets overlooked because, you know, he's slightly older now, probably a bit more of a practical joker, a bit more of a, you know, just enjoys the finer things in life. But oh, when yeah. he comes back mm-hmm. here, he, he does get the jobs done. And, and I really like him. Yeah, I show my age a little bit, but I when I think of Ian Poulter, I think of the uh, the chest pumping and screaming from the Shell Houston Open victory. But also helps that I was on him for that. So as long as he doesn't wear those hideous like gold outfits he oh. wear when he was trying to say it's him and Tiger and nobody else in the world, then uh, yeah, I think we could. That's the flashback post we probably don't need to see. Yeah, the the hot or light pink outfits and <laughs> yeah. spiked hair and yeah, he, he was a wild child. He was wearing an Arsenal shirt back in the back in the yeah. day. As well. so <laughs> he, you know, he's not the typical golfer, is he? <laughs> no, but uh, so I think that does it kind of for us in the in the this middle range. Uh, yeah, I think now we can get to some of these deeper guys. Now I haven't necessarily fired on any of these guys in particular, uh, but I believe we are both debating Jason Scribner. If you want to jump into him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the the only doubt I have on Jason Scribner is kind of what I flagged up to you earlier is that his form in Scotland and his form in these types of events aren't really there yet. You know, he's he's missed a lot of cuts. He's he's had some really middling finishes. I think his best is probably a 24 foot downhill links, which is a pretty good result. But the thing for me that, that kind of sways me back into him as, as, alongside the uh, strokes gain approach numbers and speed screen that he's, you know, currently peddling out is that he's never really been in that great form coming into this event. This is a completely different Jason Scribner now to, to what we've seen in past uh, renewals of this. Um, you know, he's finished ninth, sixth and third in three of his last four starts. He was 23rd at the PGA Championship. Um, he was second at Cyril Hatton, obviously you like, back at the Abu Dhabi Championship earlier in the year. And, and he played really well, although he finished fairly shy of, of Cyril Hatton in terms of score, he played really, really well on that Sunday and was probably one of the only people that took a step forward towards Hassan. So, um, you know, he's, he's, like we say, he's been first in tee screen, second in approach last week, third in approach two starts ago. Um, you know, he's got it on a string. It's just, again, I, I think he's the one that's going to benefit from it being the 2019 renewal versus the, the 2020. Um, and hopefully we get that. Yeah, for I mean, he's having a career year so far in, in 2021, and I, he, he found something last year changing and improving his off the tee, and obviously the putting had been really bad, and that has seemed to be, I don't know if he changed a grip, putter, coach, whatever have you, this entire year has been um, relatively solid in that aspect. Uh, his iron game, which had been really strong, is, has kind of suffered, but coming back and obviously the ninth seventh 55th third that that type of form you mentioned coming into an event where he's typically struggled you know he, he's never he's never shown this type of, of upside or talent in his career really for a, a, a year-long stretch so i think that's another thing to get excited about uh when you can find him uh poking around at about 100 to one um who else would you like to talk about in some of the some of these deeper deeper ranges uh maybe not maybe not fired quite yet but uh tempting yeah i mean so there, there's a, a trio of names i've got one last pick that i'll go into first before we go into those and and it's adrian atwagi um you know he was he'd gone into a slightly shorter price last week and and you expected that because of the way he's been playing and and like i, I keep repeating myself i do try and and play these guys when they just go in slightly longer odds in better fields because 
you know, especially over here in the UK, we get eight places each way. Um, you know, it's five places over there most of the time. But he's twice he's been a winner in Scotland in lower grade events, the Scottish Championship and the match play. Um, tied 12th last week, extends his run of form, 12th, 29th, second. No missed cuts in the last eight. Um, he's had two seconds in China and Austria, which again, not really any relevance to this, but it could conceivably be a four-time winner as both of those were just by a single stroke. Also got that second Fanny Sullivan last year, albeit further back. Um, but he's ranked second, sixth and first in teeth green in the last three, 11th, ninth and first in approach. When he was 20th here on debut, he was six after 36 holes and fifth after 54, but just had a really bad Sunday. Um, he was five strokes shy of Wiesberger going to Sunday. So you can just tell that he just probably got a little bit aggressive, probably just tried to go for it too early on and maybe just unraveled. I think that's something that can really happen on these golf courses. Um, and it just shows where he was through three rounds, just what, what club player he is. Yeah, I, I'm actually very tempted still to search out for an each way for Otagi. As you mentioned, the ball striking just been unreal this last three events. Uh, just about two strokes in Ireland, 1.3 at the BMW, very close to three in Scandinavia. Um, and his two events before that were still above zero, close to half a stroke. So that is, that's hard to ignore for me, um, especially again, in this field, do I expect him to win? No, but at that number, uh, I can definitely search for, for a place. Um, and then the other Spaniard in this area, I know you're a little keen on, which would be Adri Arnas, 160, yeah. I see. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that he... It's been, he was very, very popular throughout last year and, and the start of this year because he's a guy that he's got a prototypical modern game where he can hit it long and typically straight at times. Um, I think it's a bit hidden what he's done here. He's 26th on his debut and he was sixth after 54 holes. Um, and although he didn't end up playing very well in the end over the weekend last week, he was fourth after round one and ninth after round two. Uh, ranked first in strokes game putting last week. Again, we don't want to rely on that, um, but it's, it's a good sign going into into the Scottish Open. So, you know, I, it's not someone I, I typically go for because, again, like I say, he's always just too short in the market for me. He's always 33, 41, 51. He kind of gets up to him. But it gets to a number where you think, okay, he's, he's got a chance of of doing something. And, again, that comes with playing against better opposition. But someone to keep an eye on, certainly from a from a drafting perspective, if, if you were looking into that, I think he could be a good play for that. Absolutely. Um, and then, I mean, there's only really one more guy for me that is even somewhat, again, tempting is loose, uh, maybe a T20, uh, but Maverick Antcliffe, you can find him to win around 250 to one. Again, haven't pulled the trigger yet, but it's, he's one of those guys who you look at and he's, he's, he's just great with irons. Like he has one skill, he's very good at it, and mm -hmm. he's not very good at anything else, which is why you're getting him at 250 to one. But man, even in the in the weighted scheme of things that I do worldwide Euro versus PGA, like his iron play has just been outstanding. So even when weighted for some of these fields that he's playing in, which is why he sticks out so much to me, he can find off the tee. Okay. It's really obviously as it is with most of these guys, um, it's kind of Guido esque when we stumbled into him years ago, like the iron play and even the off the tee is good. Like it's just, I don't know. Maybe he'll put it together. Who knows? But uh, at two fifty to one, you might be able to find a good place number out there for Maverick and Cliff. Yeah, he's a guy. He's a bit, a bit like Sean Crocker, who played, who played mm. well last week. You see, yeah. 
you see these guys that can, you know, they just have an even week with the putting or gain strokes by some minor miracle um, that they can really contend. And, and again, you don't expect them to win, but the numbers that they're going to be at, you don't need them to. And, you know, top 20 bets, top 10 bets on a guy that, you know, you know, is just going to flush his irons all day long. I don't even think it really matters right. what conditions he does it in. I think actually that helps uh, if it gets in really bad conditions. I think the fact that he's got complete confidence in that swing. You, you find some guys that are really trying to steer it and then they've got the wind to contend with and you think, oh God, you know, what are you going to do? But Maverick Hancliffe, he knows he's going to do it. He's got one of the best names in golf. So, right. uh, you know, over with Maverick Manili, over on the PGA Tour as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that is certainly one to look at. The just a, a last trio of names here. Benjamin Hibert was a playoff loser in 2019, a 19th last year in different conditions, and he was 10th after 54 holes. And one of the things I do really like to look at is is the you can see it on the results page on the European Tour uh, and other avenues as well. It's just going by that position by position because you know we might see guys like announced last week that finished what's it like 53rd in the field, and you think okay they were they were terrible, and then you actually break it down. And actually, they were in really good contention for two days and. Maybe they can just piece it together next week as the platform. So that's something that he could do. He was 16th in approaches last week, so that's that's something to consider. And I think he's available at kind of 300 to 1, and he's literally come second in this event. So I think that playoff was one of the longest in, in history on the European tour. So it's, you know, it's, it's close. Uh, Matthew Southgate, big odds for a, a link specialist. Uh, he was ninth here on his start. So... Again, not someone that I think has got a huge lot of win equity, but someone that's probably someone to keep an eye on. And Matthew Jordan, he's played really, really well um, in the Dunhill Links, 32nd and 5th, 25th at the Scottish Championship. He's finally found some form again. You know, he's someone that everyone kept an eye on last year because he came out and played really well, really quickly. Um, but last two, he's been 17th and 12th, 16th and 17th from T to Green. Um, but the approaches haven't been quite what you'd want them to be and to really get too confident about him. But he's getting there, and, and I think that maybe this week comes too early, and certainly in the, the field strength, but maybe someone's keeping on for the rest of the season. Yeah, Jordan, Jordan's somebody I bet quite a bit in the day, and unfortunately bet quite a bit through his withdrawing and all these cuts that he has recently been missing. So um, you can maybe twist my arm into hopping back onto that. The, the off the tee has come back, a little bit yeah uh, so that that's promising to the irons next hopefully so. yeah i mean i think i think really intriguing now is that i i could probably give another five or six names that right you could throw in there and, and, and we typically do don't we and and i think you know you see guys down there especially in a field like this because the numbers are so big you, you get you get sucked in and and it's probably not wise right you know look at the, we're talking about the strongest like you said the strongest european tour event in probably in history, but certainly for right. as long as we can certainly remember, maybe back when Tiger used to come over, that might change. But, you know, um, it, it's just crazy. I think people like Callum Shinkwin has got some good form in, in these sort of events, and he's four or five hundred to one. You know, uh, Lane Gask is someone I put up for who I, I don't know what's really going on with him. Wade Ormsby's played well in this event, 300 to one. Xander Lombard's played well in Irish Opens. There's so many names, but... There's a reason they're down here, and there's a reason there's guys at the top of the market that we uh, have already covered. Yep, I'm with you there. So unless you have anybody else, uh, that will pretty much uh, be my card. I'll run back through it really quick. That's going to be Hatton at 20 to 22, Scotty Scheffler 33, uh, Ian Poulter at 60, Guido Migliazzi at 60, 
And then uh, Scrivener, Otegi, and Antcliffe are the tempting, the, the tempting deeper odd guys for me this week. Yeah, and I've I've gone with Fleetwood over Hudson for my sins, and, and hopefully that pays off. Um, Bernd Wiesberger there at forty to one, Lucas Herbert at fifty to one, so that's carry on the good form. Again with you, Jason Scrivener is someone I've considered, but I'm really sweet on Adrian Otegi at one hundred and forty. And then there's just that kind of trio or quadruple of guys of Adrian House, Benjamin Hibbert. Matthew Southgate, Matthew Jordan, who are guys that just look out for long shots, look out for, for draft gains, because that's a, a big tournament in that this week. And uh, just look for some of those to fill your cards. Absolutely. Well, uh, well, Tom, it was uh, great joining you. I'm glad I could uh, fill in for Sky while he's on vacation. Uh, if you're looking for the audio version of this, uh, feel free to search Daily Fantasy Sports The Mix wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe. It does Skyler and Tom, uh, a great benefit, as well as the Mayo Media Network that is hosting this. Once again, thank you for letting me join, and good luck, everybody, this weekend. Brian, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate your uh, stepping in and uh, doing a great job, so thank you. Anytime.